According to 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 15, that believers are to make a defense for the hope that you have. Also Philippians chapter 1 verse 7, It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment, and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. We are commanded to defend the word of God, the context of the word of God, and the purity of the word of God. This is the defender of the word of God. Good evening, good evening. I hope you all are doing fine. Uh, this is your host, James Foss. This is the Defender Broadcasting Network. As you know, we are live here uh, every Wednesday night at 9 p.m. And I want to thank all of the listeners who've been tuning in so far. We've had an extraordinary time of just hearing people call in, all of the listeners that have been reached, uh, people in international countries have been dialing in and really getting blessed by the broadcast. So I want to say thank you first and foremost to the Resilient Christian Radio Network for allowing me to be a host and to come and give you substantial uh, information in regards to the gospel every week. Uh, we are going on our seventh, I believe, or eighth week uh, this week, and I have a very, very special guest with me tonight. Believe me, people, you're going to be blessed tonight. I have a very special guest, someone that I am honored uh, to have labeled with in the gospel, someone that I call uh, my spiritual father, my progenitor in the gospel, and that's none other than Mr. Elder Leon Aaron White Sr. How you doing tonight, Elder? Hey, Doc, how's it going, man? <laughs> great, great, great. Well, as you said, uh, we, we've been on this broadcast for a few weeks now, and I wanted to uh, give our listeners a backdrop of where this show, The Defender, came from. I want them to understand uh, okay, okay. where I've been over the last uh, eight, eight, nine years of my life and what I've been exposed to. And I say, hey, there's no other way that we can do this than let them hear from uh, uh, where, where it came from. So uh, we want to just kind of let the people know who you are, Elder. Um, I want to start out with asking you uh, a question. Um, okay. Because many people know you, you know, some people know you here in Tennessee and throughout the, the states, but we're praying and hoping that many people are going to be able to get in contact with you and know uh, just what God has released in your spirit. So let me ask you this, Elder White, um, when and how did God introduce himself to you personally? Um, it was probably in, in um I'm thinking 75, 1975, um, I was just a, a, a kid and uh, a young person in Chicago, living the street life, you know, doing the drugs, doing the stuff that was really the culture of that of that community, and um, not not know my parents, you know, didn't have no church background. I wasn't raised in church, or you know, Christ was never mentioned in our home. And um, my wife had gotten saved, and I saw such a change in her that I knew that something something was going on. So I called myself really trying to go to that church service to kind of see what was happening, and it was the first time that I heard the voice of the Lord uh, saying for me to get dressed, get ready, and to go with her. And uh, it was such a definite uh, speaking inside me that I began to follow that voice, and I got saved that night and filled the Spirit of the Lord. And 
and God came on me in such a, a, a mighty way, and I didn't even know about, you know, like in the church talks about speaking in tongues, and, all, and it happened to me, and I was caught off guard because I had no point of reference for anything like that because I had no uh, spiritual background, and that's, and uh, it, it turned my life totally around. I mean, from that, it was almost just like the whole inner lining of my mouth became electrified, mm. and, and, it is not, and it has not changed from that day up until now. And that's been that was in nineteen seventy five, seventy six, just somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. Wow, wow! So when God introduced Himself to you, He came and just totally uh, revealed Himself in a was a, a, a very uncommon way uh, for somebody to not have uh, any church background. And I know that does happen uh, to a lot of people. So uh, it gave you a really raw and organic experience with God. Would you say that's true? Yeah, and then what, 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 what I've come to recognize is that uh, in God's grace towards my life, I really see how he sanctified me, if you let me use that term, by putting me in a non-Christian home to guard me against religion. Wow. Yeah. So I really see the, the, the providence of God, even in the fact that my parents were not Christians and, and I was in a totally non-Christian environment. Because when God had an opportunity to step up into my life, he didn't have to overcome religiosity, if you can use that terminology. He didn't have to overcome that. I was just straight and raw. He took me from that to being exposed to his life, to his spirit. Wow. That's that's phenomenal. Yeah. I, I, you know, I think that's incredible uh, to have that kind of experience for, you know, the Holy Spirit to not have to fight through as you right. say, uh, religious uh, ideology and, and traditional mm-hmm. training. Mm-hmm. That's, that's some of the things that we were going to uh, even deal with. That's quite phenomenal. So when you say this happened to you, Elder, now you know there's a lot of people that talk about, you know, I got saved here. Some people can remember the points uh, of contact when God actually came into their life. But when right. you say you got saved, I mean, when he introduced himself, you knew that there was a significant change. You knew without yeah. a shadow of a doubt. No question. No question. Um, I was on 79th, Stony Island, uh, at the Regal Theater. R.W. Schambach was conducting the revival, and the Spirit of the Lord stepped into my life. That day, I can go and if, if I was in Chicago, I could drive you to the spot and point you to the building. And if they let me in, I could show you the air I was standing when it happened to me. It was that definite and it was a mark in my life. I was, um, proud, like I said, proud of that, you know, just in the streets, you know, smoking weed and, and, and doing the stuff like that. The day it happened, it stopped. Wow. So, 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 so that, was a, uh, that was an abrupt halt to anything that you had yep, been accustomed, yep. every, everything that you had been accustomed to, that was an abrupt halt. It sounds to me, and I'm sure to the listeners, that it wasn't a constant, constant struggle uh, to know that you were saved, so you really oh, knew that you were yeah, saved. Yeah. yeah. Matter of fact, uh, like I told you about that lecture, uh, uh, this kind of dates me, but back in the day, uh, you know, before Walkman and all this stuff, you know, the biggest thing was small transistor radios. When we were small kids, just being bad, you know, we kind of stick our tongue on the tip of the battery and it would give us a little kick, you know. It felt like the day that the Lord saved me, it felt like the whole inside line of my mouth was like it was when I was a kid when I would touch that battery. And I, I was trying to wipe it out of my mouth. And people were laughing at me because I was like, I got to get some candy, I got to drink some coffee because I got this taste. What is this? And one of the, one of the people that's with me say, son, you got taste in Jesus. <laughs> wow. 
I and remember I doing that. I remember sticking the tongue on the battery. Yeah, yeah. I've never heard you say that like that. That is right, phenomenal. Right. Yeah, and that and that that's, that was my point of reference. So I was trying to wipe it out of my mouth, and it was, I was like, what is this? But I had, and see, what I didn't realize is that when a person becomes saved, um, they actually become impregnated like Mary did with the life of Jesus on the inside. They have the person of Christ living in them, and his presence is going to be a presence in you. It's not, being saved is not just a change of mind. It's really a change of species. You can change from the child of your mother and father into a child of God. Wow. Man, that's phenomenal. So yeah. here you are in Chicago, 75. You get this electric electric current, that, that, this electric current that runs through your body, and it wasn't the currents that you've been accustomed to or like I've been accustomed to of, of the current that flows in the street life. And yeah. then here you get this, 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 this instantaneous baptism uh, yep. of the Holy Spirit, and you had no reference of how to frame it, how to, term, no, no. You, you had no terminology for it, but you just know, you know, indefinitely that it happened to you. Yes. That's phenomenal. So once this happened, then you, you're on your journey now. So as you said to us and our, to our listeners, you said that now you have changed, your, your gene pool has changed. Yep. So now you have another species. So how did you start to, uh, to identify with, with what is happening to you? What, what, what did you do after that? Well, I was with, for, for, for two or three days, I was, and the people that had, had invited us was my sister-in-law and her husband. And, and, uh, and then by that time, my wife, my wife, like I said, she had got to say prior to me. So we, you know, I had no, it, I just, they, they were uh, somewhat attending a church of God in Christ and uh, on the south side of Chicago. So when they said we go to church, I followed them. And so we, we went there and I met uh, Dr. Samuel A. Fluka, House of Inspiration, Church of God in Christ. Um, but had they had they had taken me to a Baptist church or a Catholic or a Methodist, I wouldn't have, I'd, I'd follow them because I didn't have no church point of reference. I just had had an experience with uh, God. So I was I was trying to find out, okay, now that this has happened, what do I do next? And it was a good move for me. Uh, matter of fact, they had a they have a class. At that time, and they still do, I think, in Church of God of Christ called YPWW, Young People Willing Workers, and uh, it it would happen like Sunday evening, and so I was so <laughs> uh, excited that yeah. I didn't, for the first two Sundays I wouldn't leave. <laughs> and and uh, after service, I I just sit in the church, and the pastor said, well, "Look, we're gonna go get some eating. We'll be back." I said, "I just want to stay." here. And uh, so about the third Sunday, he said, son, we're coming back. You can go home. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, because I, I was like, because I, I was like, man, I don't found something that is just so phenomenal. I, I don't want to, I was scared I was going to lose it because it was so foreign to me. Wow. But I, I knew I had tapped into something. And and, uh, and, and, and he laughed at me. And uh, fortunately, you know, he was, uh, and he had the patience with me because I, I knew I, I came in with a, dirty field jacket and smell like marijuana and whatnot, but man, I had touched God. <laughs> that is incredible, you know, because so many people have not had that beginning, Elder White, and for you to have that beginning, it's like God took you off the grid of even what people would be considered coming up in the Christian environment, so to speak. Uh, 
for him to do that for you, he totally took you out of anybody's reference point and gave you himself. And yeah, I, I, I couldn't realize this. I, I couldn't realize I, I thought that was the common thing. I came in thinking, hey, this is what everybody goes through, but I, I found out that it wasn't. And I was, so I really counted it as a, a, just a super blessing because I didn't realize, you know, sometimes you don't know what you got. Yes, until you see yeah, others yeah. that don't have right, it. Right, right. And right. they're supposed to have it. Yeah, because that's, right. that's something that people would pay for. I mean, they, they, they would give their all for that right. because they don't have to fight through anything to get there. That is phenomenal. So, so here you are with, with uh, you said Dr. Fluker, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're there, and uh, you are, you know, I guess you're going on, and, and just he's being patient with you. You're training. You're learning. You're learning the scriptures. You, you're becoming involved in those things. So you was there for some years, I imagine. Yes. Yes. Okay, so after that, Elder, what what was it that caused you, because you hailed from south side of Chicago, Illinois, so what was it that made you make a turn in your direction and head down south to Tennessee? Okay. What was you seeing okay. that made you make that decision? Well, um, kind of to, to, to backstep back a little bit, I actually... Once I got saved like that and, and got on the ministry and got on this ministry and was just, you know, just excited about, you know, the scriptures and the praise and the worship and the music and all that. Um, I was working at a home for handicapped and, and mentally severely mentally retarded children and, and I was witnessing and, and and the people at the job got on to me and said, Hey, look, we don't we're glad that you were saved, but you we didn't hire you for that. You've got to take care of your your responsibilities at work. Now, if you want to talk about your Christ or whatever after hours or whatnot, you know you need to get some, you need to have some balance. And so they they kind of reined me in. It was good because I was just I was I was just I was going man, I was like a fanatic because I was so you know excited. Right. So in this home, there was a, a a child that was born addicted to heroin, and his mother would come to visit him occasionally. So I stopped trying to witness to her, and I realized, yeah, I really can't do this. Like, so I asked her, can and it was a young man I had witnessed to named Joseph Hicks, who was the uh, security guard. And so I asked her, can we, you know, can we witness, come over? And she said, sure. So we went over to their home, her and her husband, and we went to go witness to them. And so Joseph had been saved probably, I had been saved a little bit over a year. He had been saved maybe nine months or something. So here we go in to try to witness to them, which they were heavily uh, addicted to heroin. So as we were, trying to tell them that they need to be saved and accept Christ. She asked me, she said, where's the Ten Commandments? And I said, ah, I don't know, somewhere in Exodus, I think. So he went to go look for it in Exodus, and uh, he said, uh, White, this, I'm, I'm not led to read that, but this is what the Lord is telling me to read. And I said, well, go ahead and read it. And the scripture said, Thou shalt surely wear away both thou and this people that is with thee, for this thing is too heavy for thee. Hearken now unto my voice, and be for the people who are Godward, that thou mightest bring the cause unto God. And, uh, man, it was like another electrification came and hit us. <laughs> and we, realized, we realized we were way over our heads. We were baby Christians trying to witness to some people who had been in the drugs a long time. And so we started getting our stuff up, our Bible stuff up, and got out of there. And when we wow. got in that car, the, the Spirit of the Lord come in that car, man, and it makes me think about the scene from Ghostbusters when that, uh, that ghost come in that tailpipe, man, God got, <laughs> yeah. he got, he got in that car and wore us out, man. We, was, we got called to ministry, 
we uh, uh we got chastised, we got blessed, we was happy, we was crying, and uh, and I got and I came back and that's when I told uh, Pastor Fluka I was called uh, in the ministry and the and the young man that with me and we both wind up being pastors. He passed it on the west side of Chicago, and then I wind up passing here in the south. Now he has since passed about a year or so, year and a half ago, but. Uh, he he had a successful ministry on the on the west side of Chicago. Man, that's phenomenal. But, yeah, but to answer your question, uh, by me being in a traditional church setting and culture, I'm trying to follow suit with that. But what I come to realize was that there are some individuals who ministry represents prestige to them and and and, and prominence. Okay. And I begin to see the ego of people that was kind of getting caught up and being caught up. And it really, I guess I came in with maybe rose-colored glasses, and I was beginning to see the other side of the of the church, uh, religious side of, 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 of church that's, that really doesn't have God in it as much as it is the structure and business and the hierarchy and the title-driven part of it. And it was I got beginning you. to... It's beginning to make me disenchanted because, I, you know, I've seen people play games in the street and trying to, you know, be about, you know, being caught up and being who they were. When I, and I was starting to see the same thing, and it turned me off. And we happened to visit in the Paris, Tennessee, and I met an older pastor, Alfred Jackson, and he was so genuine and sincere that I told him that I would move my family and come up in his ministry because I just wanted somebody that was just legitimate and I wanted to get my kids out of the inner city because a lot of the things they talk about with uh, Ferguson and all that, that was a common culture of the times of uh, Chicago. It's just people didn't have cell phones back then. So a lot of things happened that was in that vein, but no one knew it because we didn't have cell phones to take pictures like they do today. So the right. stuff that's going on now is not really new. Uh, it's just being uh, videotape now because okay. everybody has a camera because they have a phone. Okay. And I don't want my sons. I don't want my sons to come up in the in the gang bang, and I want them to have a, just a normal life. Ride your bike, play ball, you know. And right. I thought that in this, and I thought that in this small community, and that's what made me actually come here. Wow, that's phenomenal. So you saw a lot of the games being played. You saw a lot, of, a lot of the stuff that we see in the street, it was just flipped over, and you saw it happening right there in, in the so-called house of God. Well, and, and, and what it is is that people, humanity, uh, is, 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 if you look at, you, you track the scriptures, you track uh, natural history, of, uh, history of American history, uh, history of all the countries, that's just humanity. We just yeah. got, we got this ego, and what it is is that we're trying to feed our ego with, our, with the substance of our life and our status, when the only thing that's going to satisfy us is the presence of Christ in our spirit. So if you don't feed your life with Jesus, your life will actually eat you up. Wow. <laughs> wow, man. Man, that is so, 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 so true, Elder. So here you are there, and you just you just made a decision. I mean, you just turned and, and made an about face and said you wanted to be somewhere where there was a genuineness going on and also that was going to be a safe refuge for you and your family. Right, and I didn't have I didn't have the I didn't have the the technical training. I didn't have the finances and whatnot. I was trying to I had an old uh, <laughs> I had an old Cadillac. I was trying to sell it and 
else. Like I think maybe a thousand dollars or something, and I couldn't sell it. It looked like nobody would buy it. And some guys had stole a car, was running down the street, running from the police, and ran into my car. And I said, "Oh no!" And uh, <laughs> this is funny when I think about it. <laughs> and it is. And but they live kind of in the neighborhood, and I don't know how, but they they thought that me and Joseph were connected, affiliated or something. So they came like apologizing to us and they offered us five hundred dollars for damaging the car. Oh, oh wow. And so oh, it's, it's funny, man. And so then this guy driving down the street saw the car and he offered me two fifty for it tow up. So I wound up getting seven hundred and fifty dollars for the car tow up and couldn't get a thousand dollars for it whole. <laughs> wow! Right, and that was my money for me to get up out of there. So when I came to Paris, and so I just got some cardboard boxes and we stuffed it and put hemp rope around it and made us some handles and and me and my wife and my three kids and got on the Greyhound bus and uh, the pastor here picked us up at the Greyhound bus station with the cardboard boxes and the clothes on our back. <laughs> oh man, what a what what a what a beginning, what a start! Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. that's that's some real hunger to be able to go after God like that. So there you are. You're with Pastor Jackson. You are here in Paris, Tennessee. You're serving faithfully in the ministry, uh, training, doing everything that any apprentice would do at that time, driving the bus, uh, uh, sweeping the floors, cleaning yep, the toilets. Yep, you know, yep, yep. <laughs> every, job title, every job title, and I've heard you preach that before, everything that the ministry offers or that needs to be done, you did that. Yep, yep. <laughs> wow. Exactly. Wow, that's awesome with a glad heart. So, okay, so here you are, you're doing this, and then uh, you you obviously uh, went on through and uh, ended up getting your own uh, getting your own uh, a church to be able to pastor. Did that happen later on? Yeah, yeah, I worked with Elder Jackson, and then one of the uh, 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 bishop took note of my of my faithfulness and offered me to go and preach at his church that was seventy miles away from where I lived at. Unbeknownst to me. He had been sending three or four different ministers there because uh, he was going to leave and he wanted to, to get with the congregation who they felt good about. So they had a shut-in and consecration, and uh, he asked them in this fast, he said, look, I want each one of you right now just to write down on a piece of paper which person you feel that the Lord has laid on your heart for to, to take my place. And, uh, I, and I'm not knowing none of this is going on. And uh, everyone put my name on a sheet of paper, I think, for the exception of one person. And that's how I wound up getting my first uh, real church. Was in wow. Tennessee. Tennessee. Uh-huh. Wow. And you've talked about the mileage, the, the struggle, the, the, many, the, the, the many tires that you wore out back and forth, uh, traveling thousands and <laughs> thousands of miles. Well, it, was, it, was 70, it was 72 miles away from the house. Uh, and I right. went there twice a week. I, did, I went there twice a week for 11 years. Wow, man! Talk about putting in your work. So here you are doing this, Eldon. You things are going along fine. Uh, we yep. know that. Uh, well, for our listeners, that you did uh, end up pastoring also uh, New Holy Temple out in Milan, Tennessee. Is that right? Yep, yep, yeah. I was walking through the through our, our jurisdictional headquarters, and the jurisdictional prelate said to me, "Hey, I want you to stop by and take a look at the church in Milan." And I was like, "No, I'm fine. I'm fine where I'm at." And then uh, I heard the Lord kind of quietly. Tell me to be quiet, mm-hmm. and so I did. And then I went and got it. And uh, so the uh, superintendent that was over me in the uh, the church in Milan, 
I mean, in Tiptonville, came with me to the Milan Church and met with me in that congregation and the superintendent of that region. And then they literally handed me off to them and uh, just told them that I came with no problems and, and, uh, and I had a good background. And then that superintendent accepted me, and I, and I stayed at that church for 17 years. So here you are, 17 years. Wow, what a journey, Elder. 17 years at this church, but we know there's something miraculous happening. God came and visited you again yeah. in a very significant and phenomenal way because here you are learning all the different um, ins and outs and uh, uh, the, the, the flow and the functions of the church, you know, the offices of the church, you know, how to pastor, how to train people, yeah. this and that. You're learning all this. And so God gives you another visitation. And this yeah. visitation made a significant impact on your life. What was the vision that God gave you that took you out of mainstream denominations and traditional Christianity? Because something happened to you. Yeah. Um, I was bivocational um, because, of, you know, when you, the churches are smaller and whatnot. And so I was working as a, uh, as a, in the sales department at a car dealership, and, and, I, and I had my churches. So I... Um, my wife's uh, half-brother had stayed with us. He was a truck driver, and he had this book uh, called The Breaking of the Outer Man, Releases of Spirit by Watchman Need, that had been in his briefcase. And uh, he inadvertently left it in my house, and it sat in my house for two or three years. And then one day, I just had to just sit down and start reading it. And when I read that book and saw the way in which he was able to take the scriptures and open them up, the depth of it just blew the top of my head off. And I thought, wait a minute. This guy is on a whole nother level of really seeing the word of God. I said, oh, what is going on? So I uh, went to the local bookstore here and asked the guy, I said, who, who is this? And he told me that Washington, he was a, a brother that had got put in prison for his faith because he was in communist China, and he and they was, didn't want him to preach to Christ. So uh, they gave me the information to ministry and ministry, so I uh, sent them, you know, I called and the was telling the guy how awesome the book was. He said, it's like when you first got saved, right? I said, yeah, yeah. He said, okay, so I want to send you some information. And uh, so I'm like excited waiting on this literature. Well, in my excitement, I evidently called him from the, the dealership, which was in Kentucky. And he was trying to mail it to Paris, Kentucky, rather than Paris, Tennessee. So I called, and he said, it's on its way. And then I called him, he said, well, you haven't gotten it yet? And I said, he said, well, I sent it. And he said, well, track it. And this went on for two, three months. And then one day he just said, well, I sent it to Paris, Kentucky. I said, no wonder I'm not getting it. So at that point he said to me, Mr. White, why don't you just come and see what, what we're doing? And I said, okay, I, booked, I told my wife, book me a flight. Now, a year before this book was read, I read this book. I kept seeing a table in the middle of a room with chairs facing it from all, 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 from all four directions. And it just didn't make sense. Just a, a, a table in the room, empty room, chairs empty, everything facing the table in a real neat square, squared, squared out, uh, like the ripples of a, of, a, of a stream. So I said, what is this? And I even drew a screensaver on my computer with this image. So I fly out there. And I meet with him. And uh, the next day, I come downstairs, and they say, hey, we want to show you our church. 
uh, worship center. So I walked to the worship center, and when I walked in the door, there was a table in the middle of the room with the chairs around that I had seen a year or so before that. Wow. And it just made the hair, hair on the back of my neck stand up. And I wouldn't even tell them because I was just so taken back by what is going on here. And so that Sunday morning, I sat with those people, and they began to open up the scriptures in, a, in just in such a beautiful way that tears ran down my cheeks because I realized how ignorant I was to really what God was trying to get over. Uh, in the Jesus. And I was speechless because I had been passionate by that time about 20 years and felt I had a pretty good working understanding of the scriptures, but I realized I knew, I kind of knew what the Pharisees must have felt like in the presence of Jesus. And wow. I was, hmm. I was just, I was just stunned. I was stunned. I was stunned. I was just messed up. So, um, as I was going back to the airport, his, uh, his, the, the minister's wife, she, she knows how quiet it was. She said, you okay? I said, yes, ma'am. She said, I realize this is a lot for you to take in. She said, but every level of life, it takes longer for it to gestate, the more sophisticated the life is. She said a life of an ant, the gestation period, and that's pretty quick because that's a, it's pretty simple in, in its structure. She said well, by the time you get up to an animal or an elephant or something, it takes longer because it's more sophisticated. She uh-huh. said you are trying to process the life of Christ in you and let it take time for it to process because it's the highest life it is. Wow. And, and that kind of that kind of kind of kind of smoothed me out a little bit. So then I came back telling everybody about the table of the Lord, the table of the Lord. And so um, I, I went out to the Hampton Inn at that time and asked them if I could rent. It was a small little, it wasn't much bigger than a, a regular room, but it was, it was considered as a little conference room. And I set up a card table with chairs facing it and explaining to people what I had been exposed to. And then God just began to take me in a whole different direction. And that was the, the seed of of. of really coming away from uh, of, of getting beyond denomination. Because we look at your logo of the church in Paris, what we'll talk about in a second, and so you have uh, the experience of being in that room when you went to California, you was in that room and you said that you were surrounded by all different nationalities from how many different nations were represented there? Yeah, now what you're talking about is when actually I, they called me and I had a chance to go to a Bible study in London, England, and um, I think that was in 2004. And I was with 1,300 believers from 54 different countries that were all meeting around the table of the Lord. And I was just blown away. Because there was no, you know, it's no way that I understood that God had tapped me into that. And I had no point of reference to that, just like I did when I first got saved. But evidently, the Lord was trying to take me in a direction and expose me to that. So, Elder, how did you how did you deal with that, having this seed birthed in your spirit, and then still dealing with mainline Christianity on one hand, but then having this growing seed of of crisis? Christ's inception, you know, in you in, in another format, how, how were you able to reconcile that or uh, be able to deal with that dichotomy? Uh, well, not, I, I, I was, I did, I did both of them for a while, for a long time. I pastored two churches. I was still passing in the Church of God in Christ and was still trying to understand what, what the Lord's recovery was happening within me. And so, um, 
and and the congregation began to grow in 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 in, uh, in Paris in my hometown. And uh, so people came to me and said, hey, why don't you start a church? And I said, no, 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 I'm fine. I have a church. I'm not interested in that. I, I, I'm, I'm fine with where I'm at. Let's just do this Bible study. I was having a Thursday night Bible study, which started really in 1999. And, um, and so it just kept going on and kept going on. And then one Sunday, there was about 12 to 15 people from Paris, Tennessee, at my, my church in my And the Spirit of the Lord said, feed the people, feed them. And that's when we really begin to call it the church in Paris. And wow. The, and the church in Paris is taken from the scriptures where the churches are in Corinthians, the church are in Ephesus, the church in Smyrna, Thyatira. And then when Jesus makes reference to the church in Revelation, he calls the church by its locality. And so we saw that that's how God addresses the church. And, and so uh, the church, our church actually doesn't have a name. We had to have something on paperwork to get our lights on and all that. So we're known as Church in Paris. But in the, according to the scriptures, that's not our name. That's who we are. We just actually are the, the believers in Paris. We're the Church in Paris. Wow. That's phenomenal. So this construct here is really opening open you up to a whole new way of thinking, a whole yes. new way of processing. And as you can see, and I'm sure many of our listeners that are, you know, in denominations and things like that, you know, we know that everybody has their, their good points and references, but it sounds like that Christ was really trying to bring us into the, into the, into the oneness of all of us being the church, the church actually being one full organism that is embodied with his spirit. And it sounds like, it sounds like Elder White, there, there's so much confusion because, you know, the doctrines of men are taught and people really get mixed up and they have to fight through a whole lot of uh, traditional uh, uh, outpourings that people have given them through the years trying to find this organic seed called Christ. So let me ask you then, so what is it then about the recovery life that makes it so different than mainstream contemporary Christianity? Because you've obviously been dealing with in that vein for many, many years. So what is it that makes it such a vast, such a vast difference in the two? Well, I don't know if I can articulate it as, as, as well as it probably needs to be. But I think, um, I think the, the, I was reading some information, I was reading some stuff about uh, the, the the beginnings of, of of the Azusa Street Revival and some of the revivals that even broke out overseas and stuff, even that preceded Azusa. Uh, when I read of the stories of the Wesley Brothers, there was a, the beginnings of the Methodist Church and whatnot. I think all of the denominations, I think the seed starts right. I think the initial the initial starts of all the denominations was was legitimate and pure. What happens is that as time keeps going on and man's involvement gets in the middle of it, it begins to get off of Christ, of being Christ-centered. Okay. That's where the, and that's where the trouble starts. And I, okay. think even the, I think even the church that's in the recovery has to be watchful of that. Of that. Right. Uh, yeah, because once man begins to have the influence, he begins to degrade what God has set up. And so the biggest, the biggest thing I can see is that the scriptures, Jesus said, uh, he was telling the Pharisees, he said, you all search the scriptures. 
You said for them you think you have eternal life. You said, but they speak of me. But you won't come to me. Mm. The, the, the scriptures became so sacred, the Torah became so sacred to the Jewish people, it became more sacred than the God of the Torah. Yes. And so as a result of it, it became, it became ceremoniously centered rather than God-centered. And that's where the enemy, I think that's where, the, 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 where we have to be so careful. Um, uh, I probably would have still been working in both venues, but it became just a more of a physical problem that I just couldn't continue to do it. I was still traveling. I was doing three services every Sunday for about six years, and it just wore me down. And that's when I, I had to uh, retire uh, from the Church of God in Christ and just try to work full time here at home and, and uh, at the church in Paris. But I probably, if, if I had a, probably discovered this when I was younger, I probably would have been trying to do both of them. But I just couldn't physically keep doing it. And that's, what, that's really what made me do it. Because I love, I love the saints. Uh, I love uh, the saints that's in, in all the churches because all of us are God's children. It's just that a lot of it has become uh, non-Christ-centered. You know, uh, we put a lot of emphasis on position and titles and those type things. And you've got to have governance and you've got to have structure, but it should never take away from the organic reality of God. And when I, when I say the word organic reality, I'm speaking of the organic salvation of Jesus Christ. We know a lot about the judicial side of it. We were forgiven of our sins. We should have been judged based upon the failure of Adam and Eve. And, but the organic salvation is the baptism of the Holy Spirit because you got to live a saved life after you have accepted Christ. You know, if all of us were like the thief on the cross who accepted Jesus and died that moment, then there would be no need for organic salvation. He was justified, and then he went to be with Jesus that day in paradise. Well, that's not our experience. After we accept Christ, we're still down here. Yes. We're right. kind of, yeah, we're kind, of, we're kind of like Lazarus. We've been risen from the dead, but we get on earth. Wow. Yeah, so we need God to actually live himself out through us so we can deal with this internal issue of our flesh because we have a deposit of the failure of Adam that's still within our being that's constantly trying to make us default to a sinful nature. Wow. Man, that's powerful. So then, then it sounds like um, everything that we do, if we pull away from Christ, then it's, it's going to be a, a, a degradation automatically. Immediately, because it is, it is through... Notice what Jesus said. He says, I'm the, I'm the, he said, I'm the bread of life, uh, and, I, and I'm the living water. Bread and water are two things that you never graduate. You take an infant. An infant don't know scripture, but an infant needs water. And an infant needs bread. You take a senior citizen. They can begin to experience Alzheimer's. But they still need bread. And they still need water. So God is trying to tie us to what is, pertains to life and, mm. not information, and not information. Wow, man! But the Bible has been studied. It's been studied like it's like it's informative. But the Bible is trying to impart God's life into you. See, everything in everything in creation uh, is is created life. It has a start date and a stop date. 
God has eternal life, which is uncreated life. And when a person becomes saved, God is trying to impart his uncreated life into your created life because he knows one day you're going to die. Wow. So if he imparts his uncreated life into your life, then when this earthly tabernacle dissolves, you have another temple that is made not by hands. Wow, that's phenomenal, Elder. So, so with that, um, wow, that's that's just <laughs> that's powerful. So, if we if 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 you have a, a way of being able to release this, how how are you going, or how have you been getting saints to understand the depth of Christ in their being? Because what we're discussing here today, I'm sure many listeners. I don't think a lot of listeners have heard this this line of exposition when it comes to relating about the life of Christ. I mean, some may have. I'm not going to say that, but I know that every time that I get in the presence of okay. hearing it, it does something new for me uh, okay. every, every okay. time that I get exposed to the, the organic reality of Christ. And so uh, how then, Elder White, are you, are you seeing it from the vision that God gave you, how is this to be replicated? Uh, for the years okay. to come. Okay. Uh, the, fun, the, the, the fundamentals to, 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 to the answer your question is this. Traditional, the traditional church setting that most Christians are exposed to, the construct of it is you have leadership who is teaching a congregation or preaching to a congregation and expounding and explaining the scriptures to them so that they can be able to gain insight into the word of God. Right. But, but the fundamental problem with that basic structure is Christ is a corporate man that should be expressed through the whole body. Right. The construct of most of our churches, the people sitting out in the audience, very seldom ever get a chance to say anything. And those people who are sitting out there have the Spirit of the Lord in them, they have life experience, and they can expose and show me Christ in a way through their fingerprint that I won't see through my fingerprint. But if that construct is not uh, constructed for them to do it, then the body is being denied a full exposure of Christ. So what the recovery has done for us here in Paris and what we're trying to share is setting up table of the Lord meetings and allowing people to learn how to express Christ in, within the lesson text or whatever we're dealing with, and it, it is feeding us. Uh, Brother Dwayne in our church was talking the other day about uh, reading a book, um, the 23rd Psalm from a Shepherd's View, and he was talking about when David said he didn't want God to cast him down, and he said, if you've never seen a sheep cast it, you don't understand what that means. Mm -hmm. And so he, he went into showing us videos that sheep can lay on their side and inadvertently roll over, and they and they can't get back up, and that's a, that's where they're being that's a cast, and so it takes the shepherd to come and put them right back on their feet. Well, I you know I've been passing for thirty some years. I had never really thought about that, but here is a brother in the church opened that up for me and said me, well. We should be able to feed each other, not just because yeah. I'm the past, not just because I'm the pastor. I'm the pastor, I'm the bishop, or I'm the apostle is not a rank. It should be a function Wow! to be able to, to help the body roll, not to have rank and prestige. 
It's nothing wrong. You got to give honor to whom honor's due. I'm not taking anything away from that. But when it becomes more important than the God we are trying to uh, learn about, then it is a problem. Yes. Wow. Wow. This is see, you know, this is this is this is the type of uh, information, and it's not just information. Truly, uh, revelation, because this is shedding light on many things that people are feeling internally. And you know, like I've even spoken with you before, I know many leaders are doing their best, their their with what they have. With with what they with the construct of what they're working with, they're doing their best. They're going all out. They're sacrificing. They're giving time and everything. But as I can say, as a participant myself, eight years ago, being brought into the lowest recovery uh, under your leadership, it has exposed a whole different new, a whole different world for me that I cannot return from. I can't. I can't. And I think I've spoken to you uh, before in private conversations that once you right. get exposed to this type of construct and this type of uh, flow of God in the life of believers, it creates a hunger in you that will never be satisfied unless you continually are exposed to that. Right. So I say that. Uh, in, in, in all respect of places that we are, places that we've been, but once you get tapped into this vein of, 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 of receiving information and receiving the flow of God, nothing will satisfy, at least for me. I know for right. my wife and myself, I know at least for us, nothing satisfies like that type of satisfaction because you are right. seeing God expressed in so many different ways, and it's, right. and it's powerful. Wow, it is. It is. I, I, I'll never be the same. And it, it, it's, uh, it, it's, it has been, uh, it's been the most wonderful thing that, that you know. And, 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 and every day, it is fresh. Every day, it's like I'm going to be sharing a revival um, this week uh, in Clarksville, and and uh, it's like in '99. It was like I went into a revival inside my spirit, and I've never come out of it. Oh gosh! Yeah. Wow! Yeah, wow! I've been, I've been in revival personally since 1999. Wow! Now, see, this is the type of experience that I'm speaking about, Elder White. This, this is, this is what I hear the cries of people. Of, of they wanting to experience this type of revival, where it's not just an event that we're going right. to, but it's actually an internal reality that they right. are having on a day-to-day -day basis being able to enjoy God. So let me ask you this. Uh, so okay. where do you see the church in Paris uh, in, in 20 years, 30 years? Where do you want, where, where is God taking you to take the saints? Where do you see that in the future, Elder White, if I can ask? I wish I, wish I could tell you uh, you know, with such a definite uh, an answer, but because of its organic nature, I'm I'm really I'm in I'm I'm riding <laughs> I'm right I'm I'm on the I'm riding the back of 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 a, of a bull man. I'm trying to hold on for longer than eight. <laughs> <laughs> but what That's, I tell you, I, I appreciate that. I, I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, I, yeah. I no, well, well. Well, one of the things that it's doing is our children at our church are, are, are so it's the youth department. I'm seeing the young children catch hope 
can be able, and it's become their culture. Of uh, the individuals in our church, just like you guys, you all, you, you can't be the same once you get exposed to it. So, uh, a friend of mine uh, I was talking to that lives uh, in, in Smyrna, we were talking about the ministry and just seeing how the, the world is now and how things are. And he said, and and it was so beautiful. He said, "You remember the people that opened up the roof and let Jesus and let the man down in front of Jesus for him to heal him." And I said, yeah, he said, all you can do, Elder White, is hold up your corner so that the man don't fall off the bed. <laughs> and that's been my attitude. Yeah. I want to do everything that I can to impart every, I want to, I want to know between now and the time that whenever it is that the Lord take me home, I want to get everything I got in me out to the believers because the one thing I have learned about the recovery, the recovered word, and let me let me let me just open that up because we we throw the term recovery around kind of um, mostly. Like <laughs> yeah, yeah, like everybody know what we're talking about. Okay, if you take if just to to to, to bring, give a context to the terminology recovery, most of us as Christians, and rightfully so, it's not, I'm not I'm not being critical of it. We really love John three sixteen. You can ask a drug addict, a winehead, a prostitute, anybody, about John 3.16, and most of them can quote it to you. Right. Because we feel like that, that is the prominent scripture in the Bible, that God so loved the world. Well, when you really look at that scripture, though, that scripture is based upon the fact that man had failed and Christ had to come to save him. Uh-huh. But if you look at the scripture of Genesis 1 and 26 and 27, you'll see what the will of God was for all humanity. Right. That you would have dominion over everything that's on the face of the earth and that you would operate in the authority that God had given you. Right. So so man doesn't fail into the third chapter of Genesis. So if you were to, uh, let's say man had not sinned and Adam and Eve hadn't fallen, it would have zero effect on Genesis 1 and 26 and 27. If Adam and Eve had been perfectly perfect, ate the tree of life, there would have been no murder between Cain and Abel. None of those things would have happened. Then Genesis 1 and 26 would not have been affected at all. However, if man had not sinned in the Garden of Eden, there would be no John 3.16. There would right. be no need for Jesus to come. Right. So the scripture that God is trying to recover us to is Genesis 1 and 26 and 27, that we operate in what he intended for man in the first place. John wow. 3.16 was an emergency measure to try to recover us back to what God wanted us to be in the first place. Jesus. Well, that's a hallelujah and an amen. <laughs> <laughs> so when I say the recovery, that's what I'm, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> well, you, well, <laughs> well, you hear that, listeners. I don't think that you probably have heard John 3.16 quite put in that way, but uh, like I told you all, that this is something uh, that, that we're experiencing on a day-to-day -day basis, and I just wanted you all out there to family and friends to be able to enjoy some of what I have enjoyed for the past eight, nine years of my life. And so when you listen to the Defender broadcast, you can kind of get an understanding of where we're coming from and where we're going. 
So without further ado, I want to thank our guest today, uh, Pastor Bishop, Apostle, Elder Leon <laughs> White. I had to throw that in for the listeners so we don't talk about titles and all that stuff. Uh, but truly, yeah, yeah, we're talking yeah. about the organic union of Christ and uh, what it is to be a bond slave. And, I, and, and Elder White, I want to say I think that uh, that term definitely applies to you uh, with sure, someone sure. who has sold all of his rights, all of what he thought his life should be and gave it all up, gave the pearl, gave it all up to find that pearl to uh, follow Christ. So why don't you leave our listeners with your contact information? I will say that before we close out that uh, you said you're going to be doing a revival this week, and that address, listeners, is 592 Peaches Mill Road. The church is called the House of Praise. Once again, that's 592 Peaches Mill Road here in Clarksville, Tennessee, the House of Praise. And you'll hear uh, Elder White will be ministering Wednesday tonight. He's Wednesday, he's ministering on Thursday and on Friday. Are we starting about 730, Elder White? Yeah, that's right. Okay, 730. Okay, so why don't you leave the people your contact information, an email or a website or something where if somebody want to get a hold to you, they can. Can you do that? Sure, no problem. Uh, my my uh, uh, email is lwhitecip, which stands for Church in Paris, at yahoo.com. Again, that's lwhitecip at yahoo.com. They can also... Uh, Look us up on Facebook under Elder Leon White, uh, and uh, they can put something in their comment that they heard the broadcast and leave a number, and we'll follow up with them. Um, Amen. Amen. And That's also on uh, YouTube, in the YouTube search bar, if they type uh, the single word CIP TV Outreach, uh, and then click on that and go into our channel and click on the links, and there's about a hundred and some odd messages and all kinds of stuff on there. Yeah, so I encourage you listeners, go to that information uh, that Elder White has left for you all so you can be fair. I can guarantee without a shadow of a doubt that once you get exposed, you will never be the same. So we're coming to the end of our broadcast. We want to thank our guest again, uh, Elder Leon White, for coming aboard and for sharing with us on the Defender broadcast. Once again, we are here every Wednesday at 9 o'clock p.m., uh, we're here at 9 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time, 10 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, and 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. So, once again, this is Defender, and we want to say God bless you and good night. You all be blessed. Any parting words for our listeners, Elder White? I just want to pray that, Lord, I just thank you for what uh, Brother Fox is doing and just the people that are listening. Um, I did not know how to get the right answers if I didn't know how to ask the right questions. And I pray that God would give you to seek him in such a way that you can ask the questions because he died and, and rose again to give you the right answers. And I speak it over, this, over the listening audience in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, once again, we'll see you guys next week at 9 o'clock on the Defender Broadcast. Thank you for joining in. God bless you and good night. The Defender is an online radio broadcast geared toward teaching the Word of God. Our aim is to present the scriptures of the Bible in an informative, systematic process that exalts the Lordship of Jesus Christ. 
we strive for the inerrant and accurate interpretation of the scriptures by a revelation from the Holy Spirit. We are established to give this counsel as pertains to what he has revealed in his word. Tune in next time for the Defender. The Defender is copyright by James Fox Ministries and the Resilient Christian Radio Network.